You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. So I just informed Doug of the third segment that I did just a couple of days ago, the last show that we did. And of course, Doug being incredibly self-indulged, just caring about himself as far as it pertains to the podcast. He did not listen to any of the solo shows that I'd have done this week, and therefore he missed out on a Glenn Close segment that we had the last show comparing and some of the movies that Glenn Close has been in and kind of going with the title on what would describe the Charlotte Hornets season thus far. And you missed out on some great content and you weren't able to be a part of it. That's correct. And so now Glenn Close is somebody that we gave a birthday shout out to because mm-hmm. you, that's your favorite actress. Now, we, we've deemed her that. That's the one that comes at the top of the dome as soon as you think of actresses. And we gave a birthday shout out to her and you had nothing to say. Well, listen, Glenn Close is an actress's actress. I'm not exactly sure what that means, to be honest with you. Neither am I. I don't know what an actress's actress is. I have no regrets, by the way. I will. I may go back and listen to it. I may go back and listen. You should. To it. This is this I is won't. this is your actress. And another thing we were talking about that was the comparison that I had. Fatal Attraction, a movie that she had been in. I think it describes a lot of what the Charlotte Hornets just might undergo. It's the attractiveness of signing the franchise's best player of all time in Kimba Walker, but would the attraction be fatal in that it would limit you to getting any kind of new players on the roster? Because if you bring him back, then it's going to be extremely tough for you to change the roster at all, really, including not being able to sign Jeremy Lamb, especially if you were to opt in with Tony Parker, assuming that he wants to come back, but whatever. I mean, there, there would not be all that many changes, and therefore, are we going through this thing again? Are, are we going to win 36 games for the fourth straight year? If we do it here again this season. And so, and Doug brought up on Twitter, it seems like most fans are kind, I don't know if they're at peace with it, but it seems like majority of them are heading in the direction of, we just want to see Kimba go somewhere else now. It's time. And I don't know if that could have been said even, even just maybe a month ago. I don't know if the majority would have said that. No, I think a majority of fans would have agreed that, you know, Kimba Walker has contributed the most of anyone to this franchise's uh, limited success they've had during this uh, period of time and that they want to see the one thing that they go to the arena to see. They want to, to see that thing remain in Charlotte. And now it just seems like because of the mediocrity, because of – talk about fatal attraction. That that resembles my my fandom right now. <laughs> I'm a tra- it's per- Is it not perfect? It's I've perfect. always been attracted to this team. I will continue to be attracted to the teal and the purple and the Hornets memories that I hold dear, but it has been fatal to my morale seeing this team being mired in mediocrity. It was It's broken. And as we transition to this uh, recap of this game against Philadelphia, that's the only thing that kept running through my mind. They were favored to win that game. They were at home, no Joel Embiid. They were favored to win that game by one point. Like Vegas was giving Charlotte the game by one point. They ended that up, was their first mistake. And they claim to know more than we do. This Vegas, this, are, they're the geniuses. This team is broken. They can't win these type of games. It's something it, you cannot explain it. I don't want to hear X's and O's. I don't want to look at that game from the perspective, you know, break it down, slow motion. No, like this. There's something metaphysically wrong with this basketball team. Kimba Walker is a Hornets Hornet. 
I think if that's the way that is the perfect way to describe him. And when he's gone, he's a hornet's hornet. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But also, it's probably the right decision. And after that 76ers game, it's one that, as you mentioned, they were favored by one point. It was also a game where they had a chance to win at the end. Jeremy Lamb just gets as as good of a look as you could possibly ask for. Having Jeremy, it's not even a play. I remember Del Curry and, you know, nothing against, nothing on Del Curry. is just saying he made a great move. But it's like, no, he didn't even, it wasn't even a great move. It was just straight line to the rim there was an open alley Mm -hmm. on the right side with tj mcconnell Mm -hmm. on him it's the perfect matchup it's the perfect situation that you want with jeremy lamb heading to the basket he gets a great look it's a bunny and it just goes in and out that thing goes very much in to the point where you think it's going to be two points and then it just rims out and of course that that's a perfect way to sum up exactly how the season has gone you've been in these games in the fourth quarter especially against um, some of the, especially against the Philadelphia 76ers, you've been in these games. And then once you have a shot to win it, the ball just bounces out and you end up having Jeremy Lamb in borderline fetal position on the floor, not believing, couldn't believe that that shot didn't go in for him. Wasn't that right before the first day of spring and the bunny didn't go down? And the bunny did not go down. Wasn't It wasn't time yet. You, so the Easter egg couldn't be found. And, and I feel like we're always looking for the Easter egg. Where it's These shots don't go down, Walker. That's what I'm saying. These shots for the Hornets, whether it's Jeremy <laughs> Lamb, whether it's Kimball Walker Is that taking the X's the shot. and O's you want to talk about? The shots just don't go down. Give, just, I'm, I'm asking people, you're listening to us right now. I don't know if you're you're on your way to work, you're at the gym, you're in your car, I don't know. But just can you can you tell me, can you get on Twitter and immediately tell me when that shot goes down for the Hornets these days? It just it doesn't go down because something spiritually is wrong with with the makeup of this team and and I just there's what tinkering could be done at this point Rob Perez worldwide Wob on Twitter he tweeted out after that game Hornets fan Hornets fans therapy session thread let it all out this is a safe place and I feel like this is something we probably should have thought of before Rob Perez did but this is why he's a great follow on Twitter well, and you know, it's, I think it's just easier for us to just steal it now and just read what the people wrote. You're right. This is what people wrote. I mean, people are responding with a bunch of fantastic gifs and gifts just for Doug's sake, just so we don't have to argue about that today. There's a bunch of those and a lot of people basically responding with the free Kimba movement. These it's- shots go down for other teams, right? I mean, we watch other NBA games and other teams are able to, to knock down <laughs> these shots in closed games and the Hornets just can't do it. Oh. We're going to see Northeastern hit one of these shots in the tournament today. And this is going to be a March Madness theme where you're going to see these shots go down at the end of games. But even Kimba, we, we, we got somebody that had experienced that in March. We have somebody on the team that was able to hit those shots in college at the end. And then once you come to the Hornets, there's just this bad aura that it's, it doesn't allow them to hit these shots at the end. And it happened again. Look, well, we got our moment with Detroit at the end, at the, the, the beginning of the year, kind of middle right. Jeremy Lamb hits that shot. But other than that, we haven't seen a whole lot of these go in. And so we can talk about a little bit more of what happened against the Philadelphia 76ers. But a lot of this is just big picture stuff now. You know, I mean, the game recaps, you know, we can talk about what happened against Philadelphia. We can look ahead to tonight against Minnesota. Bottom line is you're now what? You're three games back. You were three games back as of yesterday of a playoff berth. And you still have to go out west and play some really good teams still. I mean, Saturday you've got the Boston Celtics. 
and you're three games back of a playoff berth. By the way, with teams like Brooklyn, you know they did have an excellent win against Sacramento after they were able to come back from 25 points down in the fourth quarter. But Brooklyn had been falling a little bit. Detroit was not. You weren't ever going to catch Detroit. But Brooklyn had been falling. So if you just would have won a couple more here, then maybe you would have had a shot. But of course they didn't. You can't be upset at Jeremy Lamb either. I mean, he comes off the bench, you know, no. quote unquote unquote bench, because I mean, he really is uh, giving you starter minutes and starter contributions. Six of 11 from the field, three of five from three, 26 points, 11 rebounds. What what has not really surprised me, I think surprise may be just one level above my feeling on how Jeremy Lamb has performed since moving to the bench, but I think that transition for him was was difficult uh, and he took it and and he has continued to perform and I think it helps that he is in a contract year and he ha- he sort of has to show out but it's kind of sad that I, I don't know if the Hornets are going to be able to to bring him back because he has played so well how about Jeremy Lamb being the go-to guy at the end of this game not just with that last shot but he hits a big three I don't know if it was to tie it up or bring him within one but it was a big three to keep them in the game and then remember Jeremy Lamb draws the foul Drew on, a lot of fouls in this one yeah and on Ennis and then after that, goes to the foul line, hits all three free throws. Those are six straight points that keep them in that game. Without those, then Jeremy Lamb doesn't have a chance to miss it with that kind of magnitude. And unfortunately, it's the young guys for this Hornets team, the players that you're looking to to you know yeah. have some hope about the future that didn't play well enough to help this Hornets team win the game. Bridges was 4 of 10. Devontae Graham in 13 minutes was 1 of 5. Dwayne Bacon... Uh, got to the line, was able yeah. to contribute some hey. points from there, but three of ten. I mean, they, you're not you're not getting the efficiency from these young guys that you need to win ball games against teams with talent. We'll continue the conversation on the other side of the break. It's Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Again, you can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson LOH, and you can hear from Nada tomorrow on Fire Friday and also follow him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. We'll be back with plenty more on the Philadelphia game. Also kind of look ahead to some big picture stuff and look at Minnesota tonight. It's Locked On Hornets here, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And but, I have plenty of hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah. Which What kind of Chex Mix? This savory, it was a savory Chex Mix. It's you're a, an, a lot you're, of cheese going on in that Chex oh, Mix. You're an expert on Chex Mix, correct, right? Well, on I, just I'm, trail mix. I'm very particular about my trail mix. I'm what not as particular, particular about, about my Chex Mix. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. That Philadelphia game was the second game in the row, by the way, where you saw just awful performances from the starters in this game. The literal starters, of course, not including Jeremy Lamb because he plays starter minutes. But you look at the guys that actually started the last two games against the Miami Heat, which basically, I think, took everybody's every bit of confidence away from them as far as them making the playoffs. You look at that game and you look at Philadelphia, the starters were just awful. And in Miami, 
Kimba wasn't good at all. And Kimba was really bad in that Miami game. This one, he shows up for the second half. Remember, he gets in foul trouble early against Philadelphia. They sit him for quite a while. The Hornets actually stay in it in the first half. Second half, Kimba does very well, scores 21 points, eventually goes 8 of 18, 2 of 7 from three-point land. It's not like it was the worst efficiency night for him in the world. It was a de- it was a good night for him, considering he only played 28 minutes. That is below his average for sure. But you look at the rest of the starters. How about this? In this Philadelphia game, more Marvin goes one of four, Nick Batum just three of six, Miles Bridges four of ten, Bismack Biombo three of four, nobody getting up to ten points besides Kimba Walker. I think the bench finished with something like 61 points. Frank Kaminsky continues to play well. Jeremy Lamb got you 26. Dwayne Bacon went to the free throw line enough to get you 13. And then you look at that game against Miami. You look at the starters and what they did in that game. It was awful. Mentioned Kimba going four of 16. Marvin goes one of seven. Batum three of 11. Bridges and Biombo both one of three. Starters have been got off the last two games you know what's interesting is that the Hornets this season have never really been able to figure out how to have both Jeremy Lamb and Nick Batum both be offensively successful in the same game on the same floor or just in the same game I think both I I just I don't recall many games this season where both Batum and uh, Jeremy Lamb were contributing big numbers and then you know the next level of that is how do you you know how do you get the three the you know the big three uh, Lamb, Batum, and Kimba Walker oh, all that's enough. <laughs> not contributing offense. Not well, no, I'm just laughing point. at the big three, right? Like that that feels gross to even mention that. You're right. I mean, it's the Hornets' big three. That that, that was the three that would have had to be ultra no, successful for right. the Hornets to have a shot at a four four or five seed. And no, that sure. didn't, and that didn't happen. And now they're you know not even going to make the playoffs. But I think the starter that you really have to look at. Uh, to to uh, when we talk about the starters not being successful is the starter whose rise to prominence uh, really helped propel this Hornets team uh, to their last playoff berth and that's Marvin Williams uh, who has seen stretches this season of, of really poor play and then you look at his performances in March eight games played his field goal percentage is down to 35 percent three-point percentage is at 40 percent but he's not taking uh, he's not taking as many as he has this uh, the the past uh, few months, and I don't know. I mean, you just haven't seen him knocking down the, the the same shots that he did early in the season, and I think it's really hurt the Hornets. So we had a, a five game consecutive streak of him getting double digits late February, early March. He goes for a nine and six point performance, not great against Miami the first go round in Portland, and then remember he has that fantastic game against Washington where he has the season high. He scores thirty points for the first time in eight nine years, and then after that. After that 30-point game that he had against Washington, he gives you 5, 2, 2, and 7 and doesn't shoot above 25% in any of the next four games after his incredible performance against Washington. Marvin's been bad. And Nick Batum, as much as he has been the scapegoat all year, and I'm not even saying that he shouldn't have been, but he was very good for them post-All-Star break for a time. And then you look at what he's done really the last eight games or so, something like that, his field goal percentage certainly has gone down. And so Nick Batum, while he has performed here and there okay, the field goal percentage after a while, it has not been very good. And he's not asked to do many things. And when you're not asked to do too many things on the floor, then when you don't do those things, it it really it not only stands out, it it really hurts the team because you you are 
taking up significant minutes on the floor yeah and so after that brooklyn game he, he would follow that up first uh, the portland game two of seven three of 13 four of 11 did have a couple of games where actually it was about 50 percent um sitting around there but again it's, it's not like he shoots enough to where he's making a huge impact when scoring and that's something they've needed well and then this team is not the same sort of defensive lockdown team that they were under steve clifford and and when Marvin would go through these stretches before we would always hear where he's the quarterback of the defense. He keeps these guys, he keeps everyone together, he keeps everyone communicating. You know, they 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 were a good defensive team at one point. Now they don't really hang their hat on that. And I think you look at Borrego for a lot of that, especially because Clifford was so much better and Marvin is is not a, a stalwart that the way that he was a couple of years ago but I think certainly James Borrego it doesn't seem to put the importance on defense like a Steve Clifford did but also the players are just I mean hell they're not as good I mean what we've got even if even if you thought highly of Marvin Williams and Nick Batum these guys aren't exactly people that you think are in their prime anymore you know they're they're older players and so it's not exactly like you think these guys are going to show up every single time and Doug it's time to move on to the young guys right it's it's time after that Miami game I felt like everybody was on the same page it's time to go to the young guys and really it means probably play Billy even though I'm not as high on Billy as maybe some other people are in his ability but really it means Malik Monk I think we need to get him in the game a little bit more stalwart's a funny word you like stalwart Stalwart. Where did that come from? Uh, stall. I can't tell you the origin. I'm looking it up. I'm trying to find the etymology <laughs> on the word. You, it's just a funny word. Do you, stalwart. Do you like that? I didn't he know you liked a, that word enough. I mean, you he, hear it. I think you hear it a lot in, in sports analysis. Yeah. He's a stalwart. Well, he's stalwart a, on the defensive. He's end a of pillar, the right? I mean, it's it's the same. That would be a a word that means the same thing. That would be it, right? And stalwart pillar. I don't feel like the stalwarts were a faction of the Republican Party that existed briefly in the United States during and after Reconstruction and the Gilded Age during the 1870s and 1880s. You know who's not a stalwart? Is it stalwart? Am I getting the pronunciation correctly? Stalwart. That's what I was saying. I felt like I was saying that. Maybe I was putting a little bit of emphasis on the A the first time, but I can tell you who's not one of those things. Uh huh. It's Malik Monk. Right. I mean, this is somebody that is still getting DNP CDs. And while I understand there's a lot of people that are completely out on Malik Monk, I feel like I think we've seen some storylines kind of arise here that if you were to believe in Malik Monk, you would bring up the D'Angelo Russell comparison. Yeah. Somebody that had a second chance. Now, this is on a different team, and maybe that's what needs to happen for Malik Monk. Doug. Yeah, you can't see me right now, but I'm shrugging yes. my shoulders as if, yes, yeah. that's what I've been saying. Yes, Doug. Doug is correct. In I've that. been a stalwart on that opinion. So you look at D'Angelo Russell, and I, I saw that Rachel Nichols, you know, how Scott Van Pelt has his one big thing. I know Rachel Nichols has the one story that she wants to talk about. It's the fact that people rush to judgment so quickly, right? And I understand the need to maybe get off of a player that you don't think is going to be here for the future. But also Malik Monk being in a second year, just turning 21, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be a star, but also I'm saying, I say we get Malik Monk in these next, what, 12 games that they play. So you get more data, I guess is what Rick Bennell likes to call it. He's gotten his opportunities. I'm not saying that he hasn't. I'm just saying, get more from him, see what you're going to do with him this summer and this summer league and continue to evaluate him. And then maybe at the beginning part of next season, you know, exactly figure out where he fits in your future plans. Listen, sometimes rushing to judgment's okay. I mean, if I put my hand on a hot stove, I'm going to rush to judge that it's pretty damn hot and I need to take my hand off. I mean, you might need to take your time a little bit depending on how hot it is. No, it's going to burn my flesh.
Is Malik Monk the hot stove? Is Malik Monk, you're saying, is the hot stove that you're immediately taking your hand off of it? Well, I've done it a few times, and after the third or fourth time, <laughs> I realize, hey, i got to take my hand off of it quickly. I look, we've, we've gone through the test. Are you I, in your car? I can't, <laughs> well, I can't feel my right hand anymore is what I'm saying. All right, you can take, yeah, it, it's probably good if you take your hand off of Malik Monk, off of the hot stove. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say, play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. We'll I have to do that because I can't feel the phone anymore. My hands, I've lost all feeling. <laughs> we'll be back with one more segment here. Locked on Hornets, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. Charlotte, How you- strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Brian Windhorst with an interesting article coming in, something we talked about, I think, somewhat frequently after the first month, first month and a half of the Charlotte Hornets season, but haven't mentioned a whole lot since then. And Brian Windhorst discussing the importance of the All-NBA race this year. And Kimball Walker certainly featured there. And uh, one of the first few paragraphs that he has, it's Kimball Walker as example A on how important this All-NBA race is. And I'll, I'll just read the paragraph here. Quote, if Walker, who was voted in as an all-star starter, makes the All-NBA team, he will hit the jackpot, become Cha-ching. eligible for a Supermax contract when he hits free agency in July. And that would mean up to $220 million over five years if he were to stay with the Charlotte Hornets. Of course, that means the team that originally drafted you, like Kyrie Irving, he would not be eligible for a Supermax because, of course, he got traded to the Boston Celtics. So if Kimba doesn't make an All-NBA team, the Hornets' best offer could be roughly $190 million. That would be a $30 million swing. And if he were to consider going to another team, like the New York Knicks, his limit would be four years and $140 million. So a possible $80 million swing based on the judgment of the media, 100 voters that vote these guys to a first, second, and third All-NBA team. So Kimba Walker is going at it with a couple of guys that are also very legitimate contenders. Bradley Beal is somebody that's probably going to be looking for that last guard spot on an All-NBA team. A Clay Thompson, who struggled early but came on hot on the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA, that's somebody that's going to be looking for that. A Drew Holiday was mentioned in the article as well. So, Doug, two questions. One, do you think that Kimba has a legitimate shot to win or get selected to an All-NBA team this year? And two, would that sway you one way or the other? Would that have any impact at all on what you think the Charlotte Hornets should do with Kimba? I think there's somewhat of a shot for him to get it because the narrative has changed on him this year. I mean, I think a lot of people have seen and recognized his value, but I just think if you put his statistics up against Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal uh, right now uh, on the team with the the better record and probably will finish, the Wizards I think will finish with the better record than the Charlotte Hornets this season. And he uh, is is doing uh, similar things to Kimba and lifting that team up and making them just a little bit better than they should be. He's been incredible. 
Yeah, and he's doing it now. He's doing it right now, and, and he's finishing the season hot where I think Kimball Walker, just because he's had to carry this team for so long, is starting to fade away. And then you put Clay Thompson in there who is on a contending basketball team. And if, if these, you know, it's, it, these media voters tend to kind of take some of the factors that you don't see on the box score. <laughs> <laughs> Which why is Cody Zeller not in the conversation for All NBA? Do those numbers exist, Doug? Did you just well, admit def- that they exist? No, I just think defensively. I mean, Clay Thompson. It's pretty clear when you watch him play. He's of those three guys. He's the better defensive player, and they may give like him Cody Zeller. Huh? They well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> he's a stalwart on the defensive end. By the way, that uh, comes from the uh, from Scottish place and English worth stall. Worth and then became Stallwort. I like Stallworth better. You look at Kimba going up against Bradley, it's going to be tough for him to get that spot over a Bradley Beal. I mean, Bradley Beal's numbers are just better overall. Now, the three-point percentage, I think that's exactly the same as Kimba's. Both Bradley and Kimba have the same exact three-point percentage right now. But you look at two-point percentage, you look at overall field goal percentage, you look at an effective field goal percentage, you look at the assists, the rebounds, and Bradley Beal has had a very good season. And he's had to step up because of John Wall's injury, like you said. I think Bradley Beal probably gets that spot. I'm with you on Clay Thompson. I think Clay, I think Kimba would probably finish third behind those two. But getting to the second question, Doug, I don't think that should sway anybody's decision in fact if it does sway your decision one way or the other to lock in Kimba with more money to that roster I'm just not doing it man like I'm not that that's too much 220 million dollars for Kimba and, and and this is somebody that already could be making more if he doesn't make an all-nba selection uh, to to bring in more money that would make me even more scared to bring Kimba Right. The problem is that you start to get into this paradox territory where in order to bring Kimba back, you probably you have to give him the max and then you have to sell him on a vision of this team being greater than it is. But by giving him that money, you are limiting the opportunities for yourself to make the team greater than it is. And uh, boom. And Doug's gone. And what you have to do is you have to either convince him that the team is greater than it is, or you have to convince him that change is coming. And I don't know what happened pre-deadline. I don't know if there was conversations between Cupcheck saying we're going to trade, but it didn't happen. And now you're talking about contracts that are a little bit more tradable because you do have just one year on them for a couple of these guys. You have $40 million, I think, coming off of the books. But how much? How good are the assets really going to be? That's what you have to convince Kimba of. You have to convince that this is a decent basketball situation. Oh, and you're going to get a lot more money. And that's what Kimba would have to decide to stay here in Charlotte, that that is more advantageous than going to a team that certainly is going to be in a better basketball situation. And I don't know how you do that. The only way, I mean, unless you unless you get lucky and get Zion, like that might be the only way that you end up convincing Kimba, hey, we, we got this young guy and we got him locked in for a few years under a and, cheap contract and, you know, please God, stay with us. And I don't know if... I want to make your brain explode again. Okay. But that situation that did just make your brain explode? Yeah, yeah. Golden State Clay Thompson in the same one. <laughs> and he's gone again. Clay Thompson, if he makes an all NBA team, that's going to make his salary even more even bigger. And therefore, if Golden State were to try to keep that core together, and that luxury tax already is record-breaking through the roof. Imagine giving Clay Thompson another 30-40 million dollars. 
I, that's it's insane if they want to keep that core together. If Clay Thompson gets this right, so we were talking about Golden State is in that weird territory where oh yeah we love Clay uh, we, we think he's the 16th best player in the league. <laughs> no, he, he's great. No, we love him. We want him back so badly. But he's he nah he's not 15th. Kimba's had a really good year, guys. Look over there on the East Coast. Oh, but what about Bradley? Oh, y'all need to watch some East Coast basketball. They've been top 15 relevant, not Clay. And in the end, you can't blame him because. It's what's better for the team's future if Clay makes less money and is eligible for less money. I think some people that follow Golden State basketball and follow the NBA generally, they would make the same remark that I made earlier about the Hornets, about the Warriors, that there's something a little spiritually, metaphysically off with that Warriors chemistry. And they may have the talent on that team to get over it and and still win an NBA championship fine. But I think eventually, you know, you just hear the the comments from Draymond over and over about KD. Well, if he leaves, he leaves. If he stays, he stays. I don't know. It just it doesn't feel right, and I don't think they could sustain that for one more year. So I think maybe that core has to break up. And and I feel the same way about the Hornets. I just I don't see a way that this thing stays the same next season and it magically gets better. It just does. It doesn't work like that. Could be a couple of teams out there with one less stalwart on their team next season. By the way, uh, that word rose to prominence in the early 1900s, then dipped way down Mm. in the 60s and 70s and saw a sharp rise around 2010. And I'm telling you, wow, that recently, I'm telling you, sports commentary has single handedly lifted up the word stalwart in the English language. Here's the power of what we do. Here's what I want to do. I need to find a new word. I want to find a new word. (laughs) I want to find a new word that we're going to bring back and raise to prominence and, again, have that kind of stalwart rise. That's what I want. Let's find that next word. And we're. you want to come up with it tomorrow? Let's try to find that word. I don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of NCAA tournament stuff going on as well. So it will be it will be our quest for the rest of the regular season to find the word that's not being used right now that we can start to trend in sports commentary. All right. That's our project. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast, just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with a word of, I guess, the year of the generation next time you're listening to us. How about assiduous?